You are listening to audio from the Mariner campus of CA Church, located in Coquitlam, British Columbia. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Okay, everyone, if I could get you to take your seat, please. There's a lot of energy in this room. I think Town Center has brought the party this morning. So my name is Mark, and I currently serve as the district superintendent for Alliance Churches all throughout BC, and I'm just so pleased to be with you on the occasion of, of Sam's installment as lead pastor. And before anyone makes a, a, a smart aleck comment about this installing word, I know it's a strange word. We tend to install dishwashers and fridges. We don't install people. But when I talk about installing Sam, what I mean is the following. This morning, in a formal way, we recognize that a new leader has been appointed to a strategic role in this church. And we, the gathered community, recognize that a change is taking place. A change that God has brought about, a change that is meant for God's glory and for all of our good. And so we bless and affirm Mark and Diane Francisco, recognizing all that Jesus has done through them. Full stop. We bless and affirm all that Jesus has done through them, even as we continue to look to Jesus and to what he is going to bring about in and through Sam and Joralee's leadership. Now, in just a moment, I'm going to offer to Sam a pastoral charge. Uh, Following that, Mark and Diane are going to come up on stage, and they're going to speak some words of blessing to Sam and Jorah Lee. Then the elders and pastoral staff, we're all going to gather around Sam and pray uh, a commissioning prayer over him. And after the final amen, Sam's going to come up and, and speak a few words of response. So that sets the stage for what's going to be happening in the rest of the service. Sam and people of God here at CA, I want to read a text this morning that is going to be familiar to to many of you here this morning. And this text is a foundational text in every sense of the word. It tells us something really important about the nature of God, about humanity's need, and about ministry. And so if you have a Bible with you, now's the time to pull it out. If you've got a smartphone or something, power it up. I'm going to be reading from Isaiah 6, chapters 1 through 8. If you don't have a device or a paper Bible with you, you can follow along on the screen behind me. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were Seraphim, each with six wings, with two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, Isaiah cried. I'm ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin 
atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. A number of months ago, Sam called me up and he asked if I would be present today at this installment service. And almost immediately, the Holy Spirit brought this text, Isaiah 6, to mind. So Sam, it's a privilege to be with you on this day. And I'm going to be framing my words to Sam on the foundation of Isaiah 6. And it's going to to form around three words, glory, confession, and calling. First, glory. Uzziah served as the king of Judah for 52 years. 52 years is a long time to lead anything. Longevity tends to provide stability and at times predictability. There is something very soothing to most of us about the familiar. But with the death of King Uzziah, stability and predictability came to a shocking end. If an enemy nation wanted to exploit Judah's political, economic, or military vulnerability, now was the time. But in the year that King Uzziah died, Israel's true sovereign revealed himself. Isaiah saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. John 12, 41 tells us that that Isaiah saw the glory of the pre-incarnate Christ. We're told that above the throne, there are seraphim, literally translated. Seraphim means burning ones. And so whether these creatures are actually on fire or they simply reflect the light and the glory of God's own being, they're calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory. Sam, a pastor is one who has seen, experienced, and tasted God's glory. And apart from this ongoing encounter with God's glory, a pastor and people are prone to idolatry of every kind. Apart from an ongoing encounter with God's glory, a pastor is prone to forget that Every single human person is made in the image of God. They're prone to use people rather than serve people. It's this ongoing encounter with God's glory that allows all of us to worship him, to follow him, and to point ever only to him. So this morning, Sam, I charge you to fix your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and everything else will take care of itself. Second, confession. Probably some of you have had the opportunity to meet a person that you have idolized. Maybe it's someone in your your field of of industry who is brilliant. Perhaps it, it was a musician, an athlete, or an entertainer of some kind. How does one respond when you're in the presence of greatness? We might find ourselves flustered at a loss for words, trying to say something meaningful and intelligent, all the while trying not to come across as desperate or in need of validation. If you could take the experience I've described and multiply it like by a trillion, you would be approaching what it must be like to stand in the unmediated glory of God. I mean, could any of us even stand in his presence? 
In the first chapter of Revelation, John has this vision of Christ. It's similar to Isaiah's. We read that Christ's face was like the sun, shining in all of its brilliance. And upon seeing this vision of Jesus, we're told that John fell on his face as though dead. It wasn't a premeditated act of worship. It was instinctual, automatic, physiological, like when our hand touches something hot and we instantly react. Now, we're not told whether Isaiah shielded his face from the glory, like the seraphim, or whether he fell on his face, like John. But he instinctively made his confession, woe to me, for I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. In the light of God's glory, Isaiah's sinfulness was fully exposed. It was deeper and worse than he could have ever imagined. But then a seraph took a coal, and with this holy fire, Isaiah's guilt was burned away, and his sin atoned for. Jesus once said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is both light and flame. He exposes humanity's need, and he purifies us through his shed blood. Now, I know that Sam knows all of this, and that most of you do too. This, at the, this is at the heart of the Christian confession. God is holy, and, and we are not, and we stand in need of grace. The only reason I mentioned this today, Sam, is because a pastor must constantly incarnate these realities among the people. You are both a witness to glory and a person who stands in need of grace, always. And so we can glory in the praise of others in perceived achievement and success, and pastorally, our confession may shift from woe to me to look at me. Look at who I've become. Look at what I can do. Sam, may the grace of Christ work upon you and in you and through you for the sake of his glory and for the good of the world. Third, calling. After seeing Christ's glory and making his confession, Isaiah hears the Lord posing a question, whom shall I send? Who will go out from me? Who will represent me? And Isaiah put up his hand, and he said, here am I, send me. And again, I've come to believe that Isaiah's response was instinctual. In the light of God's glory, we all recognize that what we have, what we are, all of it belongs to him. God's primary call on our lives is to discipleship. We confess Jesus as Lord, and with the Holy Spirit's help, we follow wherever Jesus leads us. And this call isn't just for pastors, it's for all of us. This call is central to what it means to be truly human. So all of us who have embraced Christ and have been sealed by the Holy Spirit have been given gifts to be employed in the furthering of God's kingdom. But some have been called to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Sam, you have been called to equip God's people so that the church might be built up, that they may be united, growing in the love, faithfulness, and fullness of Christ. Sam, may God equip, may he sustain and empower you for life, for godliness, 
and for pastoral ministry and pastor to pastor, I just want to say, I'm so grateful to God for you. And I'm so grateful that you're pastoring here at CA Church in the Pacific District. May the fullness of God's blessing rest on you and all that you do. At this time, I'm going to invite Mark and Diane to come up. Sam and Jorley, please come as well. Well, here we are. It's a super exciting day, and really, it's a historical day in the life of our church. Just a minute. I feel like I have my back to everybody over here. So. <clears throat> and today is the day we pass the baton to Sam and Jorley. And so, both Mark and I are excited, and we know that this is a good thing. We've been leading in ministry for over 42 years, and half of those have been here at Coquitlam Alliance. It's been a tremendous privilege for us. But we are moving into a new season, and as we have made this decision, uh, a lot of people have commented to us and said, oh, you're too young to retire, and you don't retire from a calling, you retire from a job. And in essence, we are not retiring from our calling. I just want to make that clear. But rather, we are concluding our assignment here at CA Church. And there's a difference there. We believe our assignment here is finished, and it is now Sam and Jorley's turn to lead. And so after much prayer and seeking direction from God, the elders, the staff, and the leadership all feel that you, Sam and Jorley, are the answer to our prayers. So praise God for that. And so today, in these few minutes that we have to share with you, we want to share some key points for you to remember as you lead Coquitlam Alliance. And so our time is short, so we're just going to jump right in here. And we just pray and encourage you both to pursue godly leadership characteristics that will bring both a blessing to your lives and to a blessing to the church here and also benefit all those who are under your leadership. The first uh, characteristic of, be, of a good leadership is a, is, is a shepherding leader. As described in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in reeds of life beside the clear water. And he refreshes my soul. He guides me <clears throat> through the right paths for his namesake. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we'll fear no evil. Why? Your rod and your staff are with me. What is a rod and what is a staff? Well, let me help. So we often read this passage, and the image that we have is the Lord being our personal shepherd. 
but I want to encourage you um, at a later time to reread Psalm 23 and to picture yourself as the shepherd caring for this flock the way that Jesus cares for you. And as Mark said, we know that a shepherd has a rod and a staff. In Israel, we talked about this in depth. The rod is used to protect the sheep from predators. It is not used as a weapon to club the sheep when they don't do what you want. <laughs> so if you see Sam walking around with the rod, you know he's protecting you. And that is the image that you see with this. And the staff is used to guide and to care for the sheep, drawing them close to the shepherd. And so Mark is giving you the staff and rod that has been in his office for many years as a visual reminder for you to follow God's example of a good shepherd. And may you always be a shepherd who protects, directs, and provides for the sheep of this congregation. Secondly, it's important to be a servant leader. Jesus is our example through Mark chapter 10. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. So we know this, you know this. <clears throat> we are to be humble servant leaders, just as Jesus was. And so we are giving you a towel to illustrate that you are in the service industry. As the lead pastor, <clears throat> we do not lord power over those who are under our authority. Instead, we humbly serve. This is what God calls us to do. And there's a couple of points that I want to make here. It won't always be an easy road, but we encourage you in your darkest moments, in the hardest times, that no matter how you feel, that you do not throw that towel in and throw it on the floor and go, I'm done here. Um, and that's our prayer, that you will persevere, that you will be courageous, for God is with you. So read Joshua 1 continuously and remember that God is with you and he will give you courage for all that you face. I also want you to notice how pretty and white this clean little towel is. <clears throat> but as you serve, this towel will become muddy and stained and dirty and torn. It will not look like this for long. And when you are in the trenches with your people, you get involved in the dirt and the grime of everyday life. And when you are done in 40 years, this towel will be threadbare, stained, and not so pretty. But that's how it should be as a servant leader. We encourage you to be an others-focused leader as based on Mar Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. So we want to remind you today <clears throat> that Jesus' first calling and task that he gave to his disciples was to fish. Um, and so Mark is giving you this fishing net from the Sea of Galilee to remind you that the same task has been given to you individually as you hang out with your neighbors, but also corporately as a church here. And even though we don't actually catch people, that's the job of the Holy Spirit, we drop the net and Jesus takes care of the rest. He calls us to be fishers of men and women in our community, in, our, in the Tri-Cities here, and around the world. 
So don't forget that this is your first and primary task. We often hear how the Western church is a cruise ship and all the people come and we entertain them and we make them comfortable. And then I heard, you know, no, it's a battleship because we're doing battle in ministry. But I want to propose a new thought today that no, you're on a fishing boat. And so your job is to throw that net over and to continually be fishing for men, to become expert fishermen and leading by example. Fourthly is, is the importance of being a fully devoted leader. Deuteronomy 6, uh, verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And Jesus said in the New Testament that this was the greatest commandment. And so today we're giving you this little mezuzah to put on the doorway of your house with the scripture in there to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength. And that's a custom that they have in Jewish households. And so every time you come in and out of your doorway, as written in Deuteronomy, you touch that and you remember that your first and primary loyalty and love goes to God and to Jesus Christ. And so we encourage you to keep that in your mind and that you would love God with all of your being, that you would put aside all other distractions and make him your first love and your first priority. And so this is just a visual reminder to you to keep that greatest commandment that Jesus gave us. Verse or number five, that uh, we, we need to be prayerful leaders. Already you know the symbolism, but today I hope we give another little direction to you. Picture of a prayer shawl. And there's two points that I want to make as Mark um, shows you the prayer shawl here. In Matthew 6, verse 6, it says, But when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And the idea of this prayer shawl is that you would withdraw kind of underneath it to a quiet place to be with your father and to commune with him. And we see that in the scripture that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to gain energy from the father. But the other picture, and this is what Mark is demonstrating here can be found in Psalm 91, verses 1 to 4. It says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty, in the shadow of his wings. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. And that's the picture of this uh, prayer shawl. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. This prayer shawl symbolizes the feathers of God's wings, protecting us and keeping us safe. And as a shepherd, you will do that for the people here of Coquitlam Alliance, praying for them, drawing them under the protection and refuge of the huge expanse of God's feathers and his wings. I love that picture. And knowing that as you pray for those under your care, God's faithful shield will always protect. 
Number six. So now we are passing time to pass the baton. We've talked about it. We've prepared for it. We've prayed about it. We're now going to do that. We're, we are, we're, we'd like to remind you of the, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, chapter 12, by the way. Therefore, since we've been surrounded by such great a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that easily tangles us up and let us run with perseverance. The race be marked before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy before him, he endured the cross, scorning, scorning its shame. He sat down at the right hand of God Almighty. So there's a couple thoughts that I have as we pass the baton. There was a time when I loved to sprint and I competed in track and I was part of the 4x100 relays. Um, and there were key components that we trained for and that were so important and it was drilled into our heads and into our practice if we wanted to be a winning team. And passing the baton was the most important thing and the thing that we practiced the most. Um, because if you fumble that baton and you know, you're fumbling around, it costs you time. You're not gonna win the race. If you drop the baton, you're immediately disqualified from the race. And so today, we want to confidently and firmly place that baton into your hands. And we do it with confidence. We know that there's been much training and work done up until this moment, and now it's your turn to run the next leg of the race. Another key component is that when the runner receives the baton, they don't look back. I, rem I was always the first one on the team that did the first leg of the race, and the runner ahead of you would look for a few moments, but at a certain point they knew they turn around and run, and my job was to get that baton in their hands. And so Sam and Jory Lee, I encourage you, don't look back. Keep your eyes fixed ahead, as we talked about already. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, and run hard, and run your best. We know that you will. Colossians 3 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. And another translation said, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, as working for the Lord and not for human masters. So don't be looking back and wondering, oh, I wonder what Mark and Diane think. That doesn't matter. What matters is what Jesus thinks and that your eyes are fixed on him. So run for him. And lastly, I want you to know this as well, that even though you're not looking back, when a runner passes that baton, they don't go, whew, I'm done, and walk off the track. They are behind you, they're watching you, they're cheering, they're praying for you, and they're anticipating that moment when you cross the finish line. And so we want to remind you today that Mark and I are standing behind you, we're cheering for you, we're praying for you, we're not like gonna turn our back and walk away, we're here with you. And so, um, we give thanks to God for the privilege it is to pass the baton to you. You are both strong, capable leaders, and we believe with all our hearts that you are the one for this next leg of the journey. And so we're grateful and honored to be on the same team as you, serving God together as partners in the gospel. 
We love you and we bless you as you take this baton. So now we're going to ask the elders and Don and Ann Kraus, who were leading this church before we came, um, and any staff that are here to come, and we're going to pray over Sam and Jora Lee. know they were asked to be prayer warrior or prayer people today if you come to kind of come to the front and you can use the microphone Diane has if you would and let's pray father what a privilege it is to be here together today to worship you to remember why we gather as a church but today we are also reminded of how you provide you don't leave us leaderless. You don't leave us as sheep without a shepherd so that we're wandering around aimless. And today we are so grateful for Sam and Joralee that you have provided them as the next leaders, the ones to lead this church, the one to lead this flock, the ones to be an example of fishing in our community and around the world. And we pray your blessing over them. Holy Spirit, we pray your anointing on them, that it would be undeniable that you are with them, that you are constantly guiding them, enabling them, strengthening them, empowering them for the task that you have called them to. And so we pray a blessing over them today, and we give you great thanks for them and for their lives. In Jesus' name. And Almighty Heavenly Father, we come today with uh, grateful hearts that we can be assured because of how we've witnessed you uh, faithfully having your favor upon this congregation and upon this church and bringing the Mark and Diane to give leadership in these last 21 years. We thank you that we've seen you work even with, with the baptism we saw earlier today that you are at work, God. And uh, today, Jesus, because you have said, without me you can do nothing, we ask you that you would fill both Sam and Jorley with yourself. You say in your word, Father, that uh, as we receive you, we also receive the power of the resurrected Christ within us. And Lord, they're going to need your power, and it's not going to be because they are just, uh, naturally gifted that this church will advance. It will be because you say, I will build my church. Yeah. Yeah. And so we pray for your hand, your Holy Spirit, to come upon them in a very mighty and powerful way and bless them. Mm -hmm. We ask this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. And so, Father, we, your people, gather today. We agree with all that's been prayed. And now we commission Sam to the role of lead pastor in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we bless Sam and Jora Lee. May 
the love of God the Father and the peace of Christ the Son and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with them and those they love. Amen and amen. Wow. Well, I, uh, I feel so many different emotions in this moment, as I'm sure many of you might as well. But the primary thing that I feel is, is just gratitude. So much gratitude. What an honor it is to get to serve and lead this amazing church that has this rich legacy of, of making a difference and, and fruitful ministry here locally in the Tri-Cities as well as around the world. I'm so grateful to get to stand on the shoulders of so many generations of faithful leadership that's gone before us. I think all the way back at Jim Gunzel, who led this church in the really early days, and had this vision that Coquitlam Alliance Church would be so much more than, than just reaching the few hundred, the hundred or so people who were in the room in those first few years, but that Coquitlam Alliance Church would have great impact and serve faithfully here in the Tri-Cities and overseas. He had this, this vision to passionately pursue the Great Commission and see people come to know Jesus every day of the year. I'm also grateful for Don and Ann Krauss. So special that you could be up here today. Uh, they led this church through the 90s. And under their leadership, uh, they, they, they launched the Alpha Program and discipleship initiatives and saw hundreds of people come to know Jesus through their time leading us. And they're still at it. Don, at 88, is still faithfully walking the streets of Burke Mountain and praying and handing out tracts and talking to anyone who will listen about this Jesus. Don and Anne, you're such a beautiful picture of those who follow Jesus for an entire life. I honor you today. And then Mark and Diane. No one has made a greater impact on my life than the two of you. And... Uh, in a world where so few leaders finish well, I am so grateful for the example of faithful leadership that you guys have carried 40 plus years in ministry, 21 of those here at CA Church. And you have set this incredible example for all of us of what it looks like to love and to lead like Jesus. We honor you today. Can we celebrate Mark and Diane this moment? You've been amazing mentors to Jorley and to I. You've been our pastors. You've been our encouragers, our teachers. You've challenged us, and you've seen things within us that we didn't even see in ourselves. So much gratitude.